Our uh, scripture reading this morning comes from Philippians, the first chapter, verses 1 through 11. Hear now the word of our Lord. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, for whether I am in chains for defending and confirming the gospel... All of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Jesus Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. So sometimes finding the right illustration can be kind of difficult, especially for a complicated topic like sanctification. Finding the right story or experience can be rough. Um, Earlier this week, I was uh, sort of struggling with that, so um, I prayed to God to send me an illustration that I could use. Never again. Ever. Um, (laughs) I had quite a week. Uh, It all uh, all started um, on Tuesday evening when um, I offered to make dinner. Uh, That's where it all went wrong. Um, Crystal had had a bad day at work, and I said to her, Baby, I've got this. Uh, You just relax. Uh, I'll make dinner. And so I decided to fry up some uh, pork chops. And uh, so I put my uh, pot of oil uh, on the back burner, got it going really good, and uh, and went over to the counter to start start working on my pork chops. And when uh, when I cook... I don't know if anyone else does this, but I kind of like to play Top Chef. Um, And so, like, y'all know the show Top Chef where the chefs are, like, competing to be the best and they're judges and everything. So I like to play Top Chef while I cook, like to pretend I'm this big fancy cook. And and the whole time I'm cooking, I'm, like, I'm talking to the judges. Um, I'll tell you what my mom used to tell people. Uh, um, I'm I'm not crazy, just imaginative. so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there uh, talking to the judges, saying things like, uh, well, Tom, I'm, I'm preparing a souffle bernays uh, on a bag of shallots balut. I don't know what any of that means. Um, but uh, so I'm, uh, I'm sitting there uh, talking to Tom, right? Um, and uh, I start to smell smoke. And uh, I'll be honest, smoke is kind of, a big feature of, of my cooking, so uh, I don't uh, I don't immediately respond to the smell of smoke, but then it really gets uh, it really gets strong, 
and I look over, uh, I look over at the, the burner on the stove, and I look over at the pot of oil, and there are flames shooting up out of the pot of oil. And I just have this, like, fight-or-flight moment where I, I just stare at it for a second, and then I realize that the flames are reaching up into, into the, uh, the oven hood. Right, and the oven hood uh, is starting to char and melt. Right, so then I'm like, we've gone from Top Chef to Towering Inferno in like ten seconds. Right, and so I'm like, the 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 house is filling up with black smoke. I'm like, I'm 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 going into hero mode. I'm yelling at everyone, get out of the house, get out of the house. And I run and get the fire extinguisher. Luckily, we have a fire extinguisher. Right, and, and I go up to the thing, and like when you're in one of these situations. Like, you're shooting to kill, right? And so I'm like spraying that fire extinguisher everywhere, getting that powder all over everything until, until finally I don't see any flames. And then I'm like running and, and getting all the kids out of the house and, and my wife out of the house. And then, um, then, then we're all out of the house. We're safe. Um, there's black smoke everywhere. And I realize... I didn't turn the burner off, right? And so, uh, so I run back in the house. I turn the burner off, and, and I run back out, and uh, we're all safe. There's, uh, there's black smoke in the house, and I realize our turtle is Sheldon, right? And so I, I run in after the turtle and, uh, and, and grab him, and he always like seems like he's dead anyways, right? And so I'm always constantly having to poke him to see if like he's actually alive. But so I, I wake him up and, and run out of the house with him, save the day, right? Why am I telling you this? Um, there's a good reason, I promise. Uh, I learned something really valuable this week. You see, salvation happens like that, but the mess takes a little while to clean up. Salvation is like this. It's wonderful. But the mess takes a little while to clean up. Um, so the, uh, the, the fire department shows up because, you know, your house full of smoke. You have to call the fire department even though you don't want to, right? And they show up and, like, like I wish they could have done it low-key, right? But they're just still like, woo, woo. You know, and, uh, and, and showing up with the big, uh, you know, the people in the hats. And, um, and then the EMTs there to check everybody out. And all the neighbors are looking out the windows. And I'm like, there's a grease fire. There's a grease fire. We're okay. It's really no big deal. But the, you know, sirens are going. And um, after they're all gone, after they, you know, they put this big fan in the house and blown out all the smoke, then, like the real trouble starts. Like, you go into the house and you see the mess you've made, right? And um, the oven hood is melted. The cabinet above it is charred. Um, there is this uh, dry chem all over everything because I've sprayed it over everything. The oil and the, and the yellow dry chem have sort of fused together into this, this weird sludge that looks like Slimer from the Ghostbusters. is just sort of all over it. And my wife, who has been really cool this week about the fact that I almost burned the house down, my wife looks at me and says, you are calling the landlord. Yeah, that's right. I rent. So... <laughs> 
I had to call the landlord and explain in great detail what an idiot I am. And um, it was not like the first, the last time that week, right? Because I had to talk to the insurance adjuster and tell the story of what an idiot I am while he took notes. Like, that's top chef, you say? Um, I, I, I had to talk to like the people that were tearing the oven out and the, and, 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 and the cabinets out, explain to them why they were having to do this, right? The story get told and retold of what an idiot I am. Um, uh, my friends next day want to know why I smell like smoke. I have to explain <laughs> what an idiot I am. And you know, we begin this long process of we're having to clean up. There's this like black smoke kind of film, kind of residue on our ceilings and on our walls. And we've got to clean that stuff up. We've got to clean up the green sludge. We've got to sweep up the, the dry chem, which, by the way, I swept up the dry chem for about a half an hour before it occurred to me. You know, this highly potent chemical agent uh, that suffocates the oxygen uh, in a raging fire instantly? Maybe that shouldn't be in my lungs, right? <laughs> so I went and got a mask. And I'm just telling you this because if I drop dead right now... Um, you know, between uh, all the, the dry chem and smoke I've been inhaling and staring directly into the sun on Monday, uh, I'm a walking miracle. But see, salvation, it's like that. It's in an instant. The cleanup, that takes a while. We're still in the middle of it at my house. There's still, we're still finding you know, black cobwebs. We're still finding uh, places where we need to scrub more. Right now, the charred oven is sitting in my front lawn letting all the neighbors know, yes, we're from Kentucky. <laughs> it's right there for everyone to see. Yes, we're Appalachian Americans. Um, it's going to take a while. And I want you to know, really, I'm not complaining because in a couple of weeks, in a couple of months, we're going to get the mess cleaned up. Everything's going to sort of be back to normal. People in Texas right now are being evacuated from their homes. For some of them, it's going to take years for things to be back to, norm, back to normal, if they ever are. You see, the salvation is like that. The cleanup. It takes a while. I think we've all experienced times in our lives when we've made a mess. Maybe our lives were the mess. We surrendered to God's saving grace and as great as that was to be delivered from the smoke-filled house. Salvation. But the clean-up, that's the hard part. That takes Time. You see, salvation doesn't automatically fix our lives. Salvation is a beautiful, wonderful, life-changing experience, that justifying grace that we talked about last week. It's amazing. It's exhilarating. But once the smoke is cleared, we still have to go back inside and face the mess. That's the thing the slick-haired TV evangelist doesn't tell you. 
Like after you give your heart to Jesus, your finances are still going to be what they were the day before. You're still going to be addicted to the things you were the day before. Your toxic relationships are still going to be what they were the day before. You see, you are a new creation. You are born again. But you're born into that same old world. And you've got a whole lot of learning and growing to do. Salvation is not like playing a country song backwards. You don't get your wife back, your truck back, and your dog back. See, we enter into this process called sanctification. And it's rough. See, we, all of us, were created in the image of God, but through sin, that image has been marred. It's been distorted. It's got this, this, uh, this, this thick layer of smoke on it. And sanctification is that slow process by which the image of God in us is restored. I got to see when I was 16 uh, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. It was beautiful. The colors were vibrant. And, and I got to see it at the right time because it had just been restored. See, for centuries, people didn't see the Sistine Chapel the way it was meant to be seen because, you know, decades after, uh, after it was originally painted in like the 1500s, it developed this layer of dust and the colors began to fade. But in the 1980s, they began restoring it. It, it took 14 years to restore the ceiling, the Sistine Chapel. It takes even longer to restore the image of God in us to what it's meant to be. And sometimes, if we're honest, the, the process of sanctification can feel hopeless and lonely. A lot of ups and downs, two steps forward, one step back. In Bible study, we were talking about um, the end of Matthew chapter 5, where uh, Jesus says to the disciples, Be therefore perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's a moving target. We discussed in Bible study whether we even thought that was possible. John Wesley thought Christian perfection was possible. And he thought it should be the goal of every Christian to, to make it to perfection. John Wesley uh, defined Christian perfection as this. A moment in life when all of your actions are motivated by love of God and love of neighbor. I've never been there consistently. I've had moments, right, when I do something just because I love God. I have moments when I do something just because I love somebody else. But they're far and in between. I've not reached perfection. C.S. Lewis thought Christian perfection was possible too. He writes, the command, be ye perfect, is not idealistic gas. Nor is it a command to do the impossible. Jesus is going to make us into the creatures that can obey that command. Well, maybe C.S. Lewis, but I'll believe it when I see it. See, salvation, it's like that. But the cleanup, 
Boy, I don't know if I'll ever get there. I mean, I'm glad to have escaped the fire. But the kitchen, what a mess. Hear the good news, though. You and I are not alone in this cleanup effort. In fact, far from it. It is Christ that is doing the work in us. See, in our scripture reading this morning, Paul is uh, talking to the church in Philippi. He's talking to the Philippians, and, and he's encouraging them in their own process of spiritual growth. And he says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. Do you catch it? Who completes the work? Not us. It's Jesus. See, sanctification is not a work. It is a grace. It is not something we do for God. It is something God does for us. This is a theme in Paul's writings. And in Ephesians, the second chapter, he says, For it is grace, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For you are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He says in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the same book, we are told that it is the spirit of God that produces the fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are not things we produce. These are things that God produces in us. In 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, Paul says, But we all, with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. I love the way Ryger Ann Lamont puts it. She says, God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to let you stay that way. The story about um, uh, a kindergarten teacher, um, she's sort of uh, letting uh, all the the kids uh, draw whatever they want to draw at their desk. You know, while she's working on some things. And she, she's walking around the room sort of commenting on everyone's drawing. And she sees this little girl who's just like really intense, really focused on what she's drawing. And so she goes up to the little girl and she says, what are you drawing? And the little girl says, I'm drawing God. Right? And the teacher says, well, you know, no one really knows what God looks like. And the little girl says, that's because I'm not finished yet. <laughs> Uh, this little girl might be onto something, right? No one knows what God looks like because you and I are not 
finished yet. The image of God within us is not complete yet. It's not fully restored. There's still this dark layer of smoke on it. You and I are a work in progress. But be confident in this. He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So, sanctification is not about our effort. It's about our surrender. See, I remember um, every year at camp, um, I went to a camp in, in Kentucky called Camp Aldersgate. Um, every year at camp, Thursday night, the last night at camp, um, we would always have this invitation, right? We could, we could give our heart to Jesus, um, or we could rededicate our lives to Jesus. And um, I remember every year at camp, Thursday night, I rededicated my life to Jesus, right? Like clockwork. Because you never feel as close to Jesus as you do Thursday night at camp. And, um, you know, the whole rest of the year, you feel yourself kind of slowly drifting away and, 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 and you kind of lose that passion. And so you go back the next year and at camp, I would rededicate my life to Jesus again. Like 12, 13 years old, I'm constantly, you know, every year rededicating my life to Jesus. Now that I'm a mature Christian, not mature, a mature Christian, um, I realize that you're not supposed to rededicate your life to Jesus every year at camp. Um, you should probably do it every morning when you get up. And you should probably do it every night before you go to bed. We should constantly, constantly be surrendering to God's grace. We're never done surrendering to God. See, sanctification isn't about being the little engine that could. Remember that story? The, the, the little blue engine that chugs up the hill going, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Right? That is not what sanctification is about. It's not about us chugging uphill on our own power just thinking we can. Sanctification is more like careening down the mountain, out of control, and to God's arms saying, I know He will, I know He will, I know He will. I love this story about the old hermit in the desert. He prays to God, Lord, make me perfect. And he hears a voice respond back to him. They all ask that. Make me perfect. But tell me, if I granted that, who would I forgive? Who would I forgive? In the 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians, Paul is lamenting his own lack of spiritual progress. Paul, the Paul, the great Christian missionary of the church, He's lamenting his own lack of spiritual progress. He says that, that there's, there's a thorn in his flesh that has been tormenting him. He calls it a messenger from Satan. He says he prayed to be delivered from it three times. This is one of the great mysteries of the New Testament. What is Paul talking about? What is going on in his life that is so bad that, that, that he's praying to be delivered from it? What is stopping this apostle 
This great Christian missionary from being who he knows he needs to be in God's eyes. We'll never know. We don't know what the thorn in the flesh was, but we know Jesus' response. See, Jesus responds to Paul. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. His power is made perfect and our weakness. See, this is the mystery of sanctification. It's, it's, it's a paradox. It's the power of weakness. It's life that is found in dying to ourselves. It's, it's this glory that is attained in humility. It's this victory we find in surrender. This is sanctification. The image of God being restored in us. And salvation, it's like that. But sanctification takes time. But I'm convinced of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. See, I once uh, heard a story about uh, a British um, sailor um, who... uh, who went back and forth between Great Britain uh, and uh, West Africa in the 1700s on a slave ship. Um, The sailor's name was John Newton. He had a reputation for being kind of a scoundrel. Um, Once he tried to desert his post, it was a naval post, he tried to desert and he received eight dozen lashes. Another time, his crew deserted him and left him in West Africa. He was there for a year working as a slave until his dad finally sent a ship to pick him up. One night, this young man, John, he was woken up from a drunken stupor to the sound of water pouring into the boat. A great storm had come, and the ship was on the verge of sinking. And for the first time in his life, John prayed. And he prayed to be delivered. And miraculously, a great wind pressed up against the boat. And all the cargo shifted to the other side of the boat. And it stopped up the hole. And the ship drifted to safety. That was it. Salvation. Like that. But the cleanup was harder. You see... John Newton wasn't changed overnight. Lager, who would write in his journal, I cannot consider myself to have been a believer in the full sense of a word until a considerable time afterwards. But he who began a good work was being faithful to John. He started reading his Bible. Then he started going to church. Then he started avoiding profanity, gambling, and drinking. But at the end of the day, he still worked and profited by the sinful slave trade between England and Africa. In fact, once he cleaned up his life, it wasn't long until he was promoted to captain. He was a slave ship captain going back and forth between England and Africa, collecting human beings like cattle and selling them. 
Eventually he had enough and he quit the slave trade and he became an Anglican priest. Privately, he felt, he felt terrible about what he had done, but publicly he never said a bad word about it. Publicly he never uh, denounced slavery until 34 years later. He was an old man and he finally denounced the slave trade. He, he wrote this pamphlet called Thoughts Upon the Slave Trade in which he confessed what he had done and he apologized and he, he, described, uh, he described the horrible conditions the slaves were kept in. And that pamphlet started to change public perception. And he teamed up with a man named William Wilberforce and together they launched this campaign to finally abolish the slave trade in 1807. See, when we look at John Newton's life, we see, we see a man that, that wasn't just changed in an instant. This long process of sanctification began. But the one who started it was faithful to complete it. He once wrote in his journal, I am not what I might be. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be. But thank God, I am not what I once was. And I can say with the great apostle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's a great writing. But it's not the writing that John Newton is most famous for. Um, he's probably most famous for a little poem he wrote and had published. Maybe you've come across it. It goes like this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares I have already come. Twas grace that brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home. Are you still feeling a little lost this morning? Are you still feeling maybe just a little bit blind? Do you know all too well about those dangers, toils, and snares? Be confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And until then, remember... His grace is sufficient for you. His power is made strong in weakness. Isn't that amazing? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.